So would you bow with me in prayer with our scriptures in our hands, Lord, we say thank you again for preserving the word for us. It's living, it's like bread to us. It's just like solid food. It's like our meat and our vegetables and our fruit all together. We just take the word of God now. May it nourish our soul because we need that today. We need to be challenged and build some muscle. We also need to be just nurtured. So may the word do that, I pray. And together, may we grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the church says, amen. 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 Well, let me give you some propositional pieces just at the front end of this message. Um, In the series All In, we're talking about following God and his son Jesus and listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, so it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and doing that totally without any reservation. That's what this series is all about. Uh, The first thing I want to say is this, is that Christ's salvation, what Christ has given to us by paying for our sins upon the cross, that salvation offers to us not only salvation, but it offers us an incredible amount of safety and security. It's a wonderful shelter, if you will. It's the Old Testament picture of salvation. But the adventure for living for Christ is anything but that. It's not at all safe. It's not at all secure. It's quite risky. And you read the New Testament, you'll find those who follow Christ had huge moments, screaming moments, of of great moments of faith, but great moments of fear, too. It's not uncommon. So if you have moments where you just are not there yet, you're along with those who are in the scriptures who lived out their faith the same way. The second statement I want to make is this one. It's the society's bent is to overmanage the risk. It's to play it safe. Have you noticed that? Everything about it... You can't go anywhere without playing it safe. Um, Some of you know my wife teaches school. She, uh, we homeschooled for 20 years. She's since moved to the public environment. I have a wonderful wife who's beautiful inside and out in godly character. Just a gem of a lady and just a great gal. Why she said yes to me is it's a miracle. You're laughing. Others of you under their breath are going, you're not kidding. It was a miracle. What did you do? Um, she teaches at a public school. She teaches sewing there. And every time that I say that, people say, oh, they still do that? Yeah, people still wear clothes, and clothes require sewing, so it's a class. She actually teaches what's called family consumer sciences. And so she has kind of the foods lab and the science of food down. She has a little bit of Ralph Nader safety, you know, stuff, and then this flat pattern thing, and that's what she got hired to do is um, if you don't know what sewing is, go, just go to a TV show and it's Project Runway. That would be what Wanda's was, helping people become fashion designers. I don't get into the school very often for security reasons. They don't let me in. We won't go into that. But anyway, <clears throat> once or twice a year I go in. And I, one time I walked in and there were a bunch of students and they're looking down. And I, and I walk in and I, and, hey, it's in the, in, the, in the building I'm Mr. Huffman. Makes me feel better somehow, I don't know. So I walk in the room, oh, it's Mr. Huffman, and I make the announcement, they're sewing without their helmets on. What's this world coming to? And then all the kids go, we need helmets? Yeah, and mouthpieces and guards, because you just never know what you, and my wife's like, don't give them any ideas. You know, don't lay your tongue down, it's going to hurt, trust me, it's going to hurt. Because all the risk is gone. We take all the risk away, don't we? I have a table saw in my garage. There are so many guards over the saw, guess what? I can't find the blade. 
Any guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's so many guards on this thing. I don't, I don't know where the blade is anymore. I'm not sure that I'm OSHA approved to use the saw anyway. My wife says, you're fine, just don't ever plug it in. So anyway, <laughs> that's the aversion that we have to risk. Now, what do Americans do? They swing the other way and take foolish risks, okay? Third thing I want to say is this. As a Christian, you are meant for adventure. You were meant for some measure of risk. You weren't meant to just follow la 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 your way through life. There's this thing in life of adventure and, and, and not just risk for the sake of risk, but risk for the sake of incredible gain. But that will only happen when you follow God and his son Jesus and listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit when you do that all out and all in. Now, last week I talked about going all in being totally there. Today I want to talk to you about going all out. In other words, with no hesitation at all. Because some of us in the room, quite frankly, we, we want the adventure. We just don't want the fear that comes with the adventure. We want to say that we've done this, but we just don't want to actually do it. It's the difference between riding in the roller coaster in the front row or riding in the third row. Shall we close in prayer? <laughs> Have I made the point? Can you see the difference? First row, they can hardly stay clothed. Second row, having a good time. Third row, when's this going to be over? Right? Yeah. Guess which row Jesus made you for? Not the third row. He made you for the front row. And last Sunday, we talked about his summary statements about what they were, where we are devoted to worship, connect, grow, serve, and share. Say it with me. We are devoted to worship, connect, grow, serve, share. Those are the five biggies that Jesus talked about. And none of it works if we're not devoted to it, if we're not locked in. So we have to go all in. But that's not all. Today, I want to talk to you about going all out. Now, if we're all in, that means that there's this... There's no hesitation. That means that there's no separation. There's no double-mindedness. What is it, that, that this is the question from last week, what is it about my life that isn't all in, committed to Christ? That's the opening question from last week. And what do I need to do to be all in, to follow him fully, to be fully devoted? I won't turn back, that we sang. Once we're all in, then we can address the issue of going all out. But the problem with it is, Society works against us in this thing called risk management because it, it does not want you to take risks that they don't. They, they don't want you to go in a room you're afraid you can't get out of. You don't believe me. Just, just watch your life. Go to the doctor's office. They ask your name, your address, your phone number, your email. They want your insurance card, a photo ID. You get down the hall, you do it again, right? They ask if you're allergic to anything. Five minutes later, another person asks, are you allergic to anything? What are they doing? They're, they're managing their risk, and they have to. They have to. But all of that covering of themselves is, isn't that they care about you. Do you know what it is? It's to keep from being sued. Hope you understand that. I mean, they do care about you, and I'd like to think that my doctor does care about me, but really it's about not being sued. You go to a store, go to any store in the, in the U.S. today and buy an item that has to be assembled, and probably the safety warnings are more extensive than the actual assembly instructions. Why? Well, because you're not supposed to ride on the fins of a ceiling fan. So they write that down. 
And, and this is not used for mixing paint. Oh, who uses a ceiling fan for mixing? Hey, that's a great idea. They, they put all kinds of warnings in, right? You've seen, have you seen the warnings? And you just, you're just reading warning after warning after warning. I, the ones I love the best are those. Have you seen these advertisements on TV? And it, it's from wrongful pain. And if you've experienced this pain and you can't see or hear anymore, then we can get you some money. Well, if I can't see or hear anymore, I'm probably not watching your show. I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, but what are the chances of that happening? You say, well, we're going to make you rich. I, I, I don't want to be rich. You know what I want? I want to see and hear. That's that risk management thing. And it's, I'm not against everybody who sells those products, and all, so don't write me. If you do, write me. My name is Mike Clark. <laughs> okay? We'll fill his inbox one more time before he retires. But because we're working against this entire culture of risk that wants to manage risk, guess what happens? We go the other way. Americans today go out on a day off, go hang gliding, parachuting, deep sea diving. Now the new craze, have you seen them? They're jumping off cliffs with a little fabric in their wings. Have you seen that? I mean, I get nauseated watching the video, and I'm at home. Deep sea diving without equipment. Why are they taking those risks? Why are we racing motorcycles, cars, and, and, and bikes? And why are we running to extensive, uh, to the ultimate of our limit? Why are, why are normal, seemingly normal human beings, mostly Americans, why are we swimming in the sea with wild beasts? Why are we running with the bulls? I'll tell you why. Because you were made for adventure. Get this. And when the rule makers take all the adventure out of life, guess what you'll do? You'll go make a new adventure. And when they find ways to capsulize that and make it safe, guess what you'll do? You'll go out and find another adventure. Why? Because God wired you for adventure. Now, you may not believe that initially, but let me tell you, what Jesus did on the cross was so radically different than any, anybody else who'd been a self-proclaimed kind of savior. He said, you give up your life and you gain it, and the followers of Christ knew that. Read the book of Acts. Their lives are nothing short of daily, daily moments of adventure. God designed you that way, and here's the, here's the crazy part. If you don't get that adventure following God, you'll get that adventure self-destructing. That's the, that's the scary part. We're in uh, 1 Kings 19. The story of kings, <clears throat> by the way, uh, kings is a, um, a moment in history where there are leaders in the, the then known world, Mediterranean Sea area, who are kings, obviously, but there are also people called prophets. And the incredible prophet of First Kings is this guy named Elijah. Elijah. Elijah will go up against false prophets. He will, uh, he will slay the enemy. He will beat down anything that goes against the voice of God. And he is feared uh, by, the, by the wicked kings. Okay? But he knows he's aging. And so by chapter 19, he picks up his successor, whose name is Elisha. His name's very similar. His name is Elisha. Elisha is a farmer. And uh, let's pick it up in the text. You're in 1 Kings 19. Let's pick it up at verse, <clears throat> verse 19. 
So Elijah went out from there and found Elisha. And he found Elisha, son of Saphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of, uh, yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. as his way of saying, come with me, I anoint you, or I, I'm crowning you as the next prophet. He threw his cloak around him. Verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. So he starts to follow him. And he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and then I will come with you. So he makes the commitment early on. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to be your, your next prophet. But let me kiss my mom and dad goodbye. And so Elijah says, go back. What have I done to you? He says, you're a free agent. You can do what you like. Take all the time you need because this is going to be the rest of your life. And so what does Elisha do? Verse 21. Elisha left him and went back, so he goes home, and he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. Now, stop right there. That doesn't make sense to us. It would be like an auto mechanic melting down his tools. This would be like this surgeon tearing down the operating room, okay? He just destroyed his means of income. He slaughters the oxen, and then he burns the plowing equipment. So if there was any, any hesitation at all, he burns the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people. And they ate. So they eat this last dinner together, and you know what that is. It's their whole means of income. And then he set out to follow Elijah. And he became, not the leader, it says, he became the servant. What, what are we learning? We're learning that Elijah lived all out. And because he lived all out, with no hesitation, when Elisha went to follow, he knew exactly what to do. And that was to cut off any chance that he would ever go back. So he cut off not only the ox, it would take, take a season to get that ox back. It's not going to come back in a day or a week. It's going to take years. And then he's actually got a yoke. And if you know anything about animal husbandry, you know ox will work left or right, but you can't just be switching them around. You can't be moving them front to back. And, and if you do, they're going to be confused. And so he burns even the yoke because they've even worn away the wood in a certain way. In other words, this will never be used again. I could never, ever go back. <clears throat> I'm reminded, uh, in a similar way, of early American history, there was, a, there was uh, a, a, sh a set of ships that came to what we call the United States today, North America, the islands in North America. And the captain of that ship, when he landed, he knew the guys were not totally sold on staying but he knew that if they weren't committed to stay, they would go back. And so they would never establish the new land. So what did that leader do? Do you know what he did? He, he put out the cry, burn the ships. And by putting out the cry, burn the ships, he's saying to his sailors, you're not going back. So put your efforts 100% here. Don't put them here hoping you can go back one day. Put them fully here. And what God calls to us to do is to follow him fully. However that looks, whatever that, however that works itself out in your life, follow him fully, without hesitation, without thinking that one day, maybe I'll go back to the way it used to be. 
And Elijah, Elijah modeled that, no doubt. Elisha picked it up, and there was no going back for him. So the question is this. What is it about my faith? What is it about my faith that says total commitment? There's the question for the week. What is it about my faith that says, I am in this, not just for the long haul, but with no sense, no opportunity to even go back? Now, if this were an isolated case, I would understand that, but it's not. We turn the pages to the days of Jesus, and Jesus similarly does the same thing. Matthew 13, the same day Jesus went out of the house by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, and he begins to tell his story. Why does he go out on a boat? Have you ever wondered that? Why does he go out on a boat to talk to him? Uh, it's, you know, crowd's big today. I'm going to get in the water and get away from you before I speak to you. That makes no sense. Unless you understand, uh, this before the days of electronic amplification, have you ever been on a lake and you've been on a lake and you can hear the guys fishing across the lake because there's nothing to break the sound and it just echoes, it just glides across the lake. Just glides. And that's what Jesus was using was the nat natural amphitheater of the lake. So he rides out on the lake maybe 100 yards, not far, just enough to give it some amplification. And then he begins to give this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And then he says, whoever has ears, just let them hear. And they'll ask Jesus, why do you talk that way? He said, because people who don't want to get this, don't want to get it. And people who do want to get it, will get it. Now the person with great eyes of faith will realize there are different kinds of soil. And Lord willing, in a week or two, we're going to talk about cultivating within our culture the kind of soil that allows... Um, that allows vegetation to grow, and it's the culture of our own church. We'll talk about that maybe in two weeks. But I don't want to talk about the dirt too much, although that is a critical piece of this. And the big point of this is people throw seed, and not all the seed's going to blossom. Not all the word of God, the seed of the word of God's going to make it. Some is going to land on, on rocks, and the birds are going to steal it. Some are going to be in the thorns. Some are going to get choked by the sun. But a small amount of that seed's going to work. And when it does, it's going to go 30, 60, and 100-fold. It's going to be massive. Now, here's what I'm learning. Not just about the big idea of the story, but here's a well that I'm learning. If I take care of my heart and what God is up to in my life, I can risk throwing seed. And what I will see is this. When I sow seed of the word of God into people's lives, I will expect some of that seed's going to go to waste. I know that. But I also know this. The good seed will produce an incredible crop. So I can't worry about the seed that didn't produce. What I'm going to rejoice in is the seed that did produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. But if you're not faith-driven, you'll be lost management-driven. 
and you'll be strapping on your helmet before you go out to the field. You'll always wonder, should I plant today or is it gonna rain? So you'll always be overly careful. You'll always be limiting what you sow. You'll be counting the seeds that you throw because you'll count what didn't work and what did. You see the difference? It's, it can hardly notice it at times. Sometimes I think in the loss management side, sometimes we think my goal is to get back to the barn and still have seed in the bag. It's like I didn't throw it all out. I only threw it in the, in the primo spots. Right now, some right now might believe that, that it's okay now to throw seed and to just do stupid things and then just blame it on Jesus. You know, what do you do? I'm doing stupid stuff so Jesus can save me. I don't think that's the point of the story. I do think, though, that we could ask God to help us make steps of faith. Get this steps of faith, not a huge leap, even, just steps of faith. And maybe in one or two areas, in the very areas that Jesus addressed. For instance, I'm going to encourage you to take a risk this season. And I know right now, a lot of people are on vacation. I just talked to a guy who just got back from Colorado. Some others were in the Carolinas. Some of you have been up on the eastern shore going north. And others of you have just traveled. You've traveled all over the world. And this is kind of the season for that coming and going. In fact, one of the beauties of being online is that if you miss a message, you can catch it online during the week because it'll go out on Monday or Tuesday uh, sometimes people will call me and they say, I, I'm on vacation, can I get the sermon? And I'll say, yeah, and they'll say, and it's a Saturday. And they'll say, can, can you post it now? Well, I, I can't. Well, I haven't preached it yet. <laughs> Think about that, yeah. But about Monday, Tuesday, it'll come out. And, and it's one of the beauties. I give a shout out to those on vacation. But come Labor Day, it all comes back. I'm just going to... I'm going to encourage you to be faithful to the Lord and ask yourself, God, what is the risk? Where am I not sowing the seed that I could? And the five areas I want to address are just worship, connect, grow, serve, and share. Number one, worship. Just to make attending church a, a real regular habit. Because here's what happens. You say, well, I attend church when nothing else is going on. You understand what that says to the Lord? Not just to the Christian around you, but what that says to the Lord I go to church when there's nothing else. And, I, and you're here and it's a summer day. And, it's, and I, I know I've been on vacation, so have you, and I understand that. But when it's not a priority or when you're gone more weekends than here, then you have to wonder, am I worshiping even privately in my heart before the Lord? Because worship that costs me nothing is worth about that much. You do know the story of David, whose friends went to enemy lines to get him a cup of water. You do know this. He couldn't drink it. It was worth their lives. He had to pour it out on the ground. That's what the worth is when you realize what people around you have invested in just so you could worship. And I think within that prayer focus, just the whole idea of ongoing conversation with God, just, just stay at it, that you stay in touch with the God of heaven in daily prayer, but then maybe even moment-by-moment moment prayer that whole aspect of public and private worship. Secondly, to obey the Lord in this command of connecting. So we not only love God, but we love our neighbor, and we, and we know our neighbor, and we love him, and we, and, and we find a way to meet the needs of the people around us and connect with people. I, I'm gonna encourage you this fall, maybe you've never gotten in a community group, a small group, 
Uh, we're revamping groups again, and it's just a great time to jump on. You say, well, I don't know if I want to be in it forever. We're actually helping you devise a method. You can get in and out within a semester and just give one a try. If it's not a good fit, you can move over to a different one. But, but to make this connection part of your family life, part of your social life, part of who you are, the fabric of your life. Because here's what I know. Isolation in America is at an all-time high. We're at the highest population we've ever been, and we're more isolated. And you understand this, too. When the disasters happen around the country, oftentimes the perpetrator of the disaster, they, they will oftentimes say about him, he was a, say it, a loner. He was a loner. You understand this? Even within the best person in the world, if you are in isolation in your own soul, it's not good for you. So not only to worship the great God of heaven, but to connect with God's people. And if you, if you stay disconnected and just show up for church, that's good. I mean, it's good to show up for church. But discouragement, isolation, and dropout are not, are, they're going to be close friends to you. And there's no place to be totally honest. Thirdly, in this area of grow, it's just the idea that you invest your mind and your heart in the things of God that you read and listen and meditate upon the word. And some of us aren't good readers, so you put it on an MP3, you get it in an audible audio kind of a way. There's, there are ways around this so you can get the word of God in your heart and in your life. I, I, I even think, frankly, and I've, I have, I don't know how many Bibles, I have a number of Bibles, different versions of Bibles, different languages of the same scriptures of the Bible. Sometimes it's just refreshing to go to a different text. In fact, I think even if you're an adult and you're 60 years old, if you read to your grandchildren and you find, oh, wow, this is really good. And it's just a whole different, because it's a whole fresh perspective on the same story. So you're just continually growing and talking to God, listening to his promptings. And the Holy Spirit can work when that ground of your heart is growing, when it's cultivated. Then it can really... It can really be cultivated so good seed can take good root. I'm reminded of a story of a guy, uh, this country bumpkin kid, who wasn't the smartest kid in the world, but he landed in jail, but he was innocent. And, um, but he, he was innocent. And uh, he knew it, but he couldn't prove that he wasn't. And, so he, and his dad writes to him in jail, and says to him, son, I can't put the potato crop out this year because you're not here to help cultivate the ground. And his son writes back to his dad, dad, don't, don't dig in the potato patch. That's where I hit the guns. Well, the next day, all the guards from the jail run out to the dad's farm, and they dug that entire potato patch up looking for guns. <laughs> there were none to be found. And the son writes, it's the best I could do from where I am. <laughs> if you're in law enforcement, I was just joking. Take the red light off of me. Yeah. You understand when you read the word of God, you take it in, it has a way of cultivating the soil of your heart so the seed blossoms a little better. And so you, you get it in music, and that's what Christian radio is really good for. You, you listen to uh, a message, but, but I think it's good just to hear the word for the word's sake. And you ask God, the Holy Spirit, to be your divine teacher. And then don't just let it come into you. You need to serve. You need to build the muscle. And that's to step up and make a difference. So you aren't here just for you. It's, it's about the people around you. You serve not only in your area of passion, 
but you serve also where you're needed. In September, we'll start the evening classes back up again at 6 o'clock. And when we run those, there's step one, two, three, and four. And by fourth week, you could be in a place that you care about and be trying it, at least to give it a wing. If, if you'll just apply yourself a little bit, you'll find not only places you could serve because there's a great need, but places that you're passionate, you really care about. Here's what I know is this. Your, people are not convinced by your, necessarily your passion. They're going to be really convinced of your faith by your compassion, by the compassion you have for others, the service that you give to other people. And then finally, just to share, share your faith story. I, I tell you, when you tell your faith story, that's a jump start for your holiness because now you, they know your faith story. Now you have to be consistent with it. See? When you invite someone to church or to group with you, to small group, then all of a sudden now you're really aware. That's okay. That's a good thing. When you give sacrificially, now you really pray for the church. They really don't check stocks where I don't have money. Nor do you. You check and you, you're, you're very aware. Here's what happens, though. Um, I, want, I want to see a show of hands here. Okay, are we ready? How many of you have ever in your life been on a diet? Look around the room. I, I live by the words of Richard Simmons, my favorite theologian, Richard Simmons. He said three-fourths of the word diet is the word die. Right? Amen? Amen. So how many of you have been on a diet? And a lot of hands go, how many of you have been on a diet for four hours? <laughs> you started at eight, and at, at, at noon you, you gave up. And your goal was like 32 pounds, and you said, it didn't work. Anybody have this experience? Just me. Uh, one other here. Oh, another over here. Thank you very much. Meet you at the Dairy Queen later. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why diets don't work in four hours? Well, not good diets, not sane diets. I guess there is something out there that might make you lose weight in four hours, but you wouldn't want to take it. Why did that work? Because it's a whole lifestyle change, and you have to do it over. I, I, I dare you to do it for 90 days or 180 days, and then you're convinced in your head, your heart, your soul, your whole being. It's that way with giving, too. People will say, oh, yeah, I tried that, for, you know, sacrificial giving thing. How long did it go? Oh, for like four hours, like one day. Didn't work for me. Do you know why it didn't work? Because you didn't work it. You weren't faithful at it. And it's like faithfully sowing the seed and then patiently waiting for it. And when you do that, you know what? You'll be probably one of the most joyful Christians you know. And it all comes down to this sacrificial giving thing. Here's the deal. Safe does not win the world for Jesus. Playing it safe. Managing the risk. The only way we're going to make a difference in our community is to live all out for Jesus. Right? to live all out for Jesus and to follow him fully. And that's why we say, I won't go back. I'm not going to go back to the way it used to be because your presence has changed me. I'll leave you with this verse and then a final question. Now, faith is confidence. Another version calls it the hope. It's the confident kind of hope. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients, previous generations, were commended for. It is the confidence. If I have it already, I don't need faith. 
It's what I have confident hope for, that God will provide, and I'll walk with him. Why? Because life was meant to be an adventure. So what about my life, says total commitment. What about my life, says not only all in, but I'm living this all out. There it is for the week. Would you bow with me in prayer, and let's stand as we pray. So just between you and God, what, what is it that says in your life, all in, I'm totally following you, God. What is it about your life that you'd say, says, I'm doing this all out? Uh, you know, we have been, all of us have watched enough sports to have seen a team that isn't playing to win, but just playing not to lose. And you know the difference. And in playing not to lose, that's oftentimes what happens. We lose. And so God, keep us from playing not to lose, but may we play the game of following Christ in the fullness of your spirit. May we, may we play this not only all in, but playing it to win all out. Not only because... Jesus gave his all, and that's enough. But we know we, we were wired for adventure. And if we don't get that adventure in faith, I'm afraid we're going to get that adventure in some destructive kind of way. So make us, I pray, Father, people who live totally all out for you, For some of us in the room right now, as you're praying, there's one of those five components of the great commandment, the great commission strikes you. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's connecting with God's people. Maybe it's growing. Maybe you've been growing in the faith, but you aren't serving. You say, okay, God, that, right now, this is the commitment. In the next 30 days, we're gonna solve that, Lord. Fathers, it's sharing because you've always held back because you know that once you speak the word of truth to people, you, you have to live it. And God, our prayer is that we'd be all out, not only speaking it, but living it. And we aren't capable of doing it on our own. So we, we run to you, desperate for your help. And we know you promise you won't leave us or forsake us, you won't let us down, so we rely heavily upon your good hand of grace. We thank you. May we live as winners who are overcomers. May we live as people who see the best in others and expect the best. May we love each other fully. May we believe the best and hope the best because you gave us the best in Christ. May we live, we pray, all out to your glory in the name of Christ our risen Savior. And the church says, amen? Amen. amen.